0: F the Cowboys, F all the rest of the East, but you know, go birds.
1: Welcome to another episode of Next Man Up. And the Next Man Up podcast by the British and Irish Eagles is back for our post Super Bowl review. As we then will look forward on our next podcast to the 2023 2024 season. And I'm joined by my illustrious co hosts, Bill Mount Stevens, also known as the Fence, and Mick the Beard Shagger McGivin. As you know, we're from Ireland, we're from Scotland, and we're from England, and collectively, We are devastated by the loss at the hands of the Kansas City Chiefs this Sunday bygone. And I'm sure by now, a lot of you listening in will have listened to many Eagles podcasts or perhaps have avoided Eagles podcasts this week, have turned off your social media, have not responded to your WhatsApp texts. And that's okay. That's okay. That's understandable. We get that. We feel that. We've been going through something similar here at Next Man Up Podcast. But... There are many things to be grateful for in the season we've just had. There are many th- things to be grateful for and to be thankful for. Don't just rest your laurels and think about what happened on Sunday. Think about all the moments during the season where the Eagles have made you feel really, really good, where you've been chatting to a mate, whether you've been going to watch a game, whether you've been to Philadelphia or you've gone to a watch along a Passion Avenue, when you've cheered along Hertz, who proved Dowders wrong all season where you saw Nick Sirianni's flowers blossom and grow into a Super Bowl team. Think of all those joys you shared. I have many, and I'm really grateful for the journey the Eagles took us on this year. I know a lot of you are listening in are probably thinking, why are you saying that? I'm saying it because there are loads. And before the season started, there'll be a lot of you out there who didn't think we would get here. Apart from me and Phil and Mick, of course, because um, a lot of people who didn't think we'd get there. and We did get there and what a journey it's been, what a ride it's been, and what a team we have, what a talented quarterback we have, and what a coaching staff we have, and what an organization we have, what a city we have, and more importantly, what a fan base we have over here in the UK and Ireland. So a big thank you from me to all of you for being with us on this journey this year being part of the British and Irish Eagles, listening into podcasts, reacting with us on Twitter, coming to watch alongs, and even some of you being with me there in Philadelphia um, as well. The birds have done us proud this year. We're going to do our best to get through this review of this podcast. We're going to do our best to pick you off the ground and make you feel good again about our birds as we look into next year. And um, I just want to welcome in on that note, Mick, how are you doing, sir?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm doing well. It's, um, we're nearly a week removed from the Super Bowl now, so taking time to reflect, to breathe, to sober up, um, and to come out of hiding. Uh, like you said at the start of the podcast, I've not taken in much media this week. It's been a, a bit of a, a blackout for myself, just to um, sort of collect my feelings on on how it went on sunday obviously not the result we wanted um not the result we expected uh certainly uh, even at halftime <laughs> we'll, we'll get into the the ministries of, of the game but i did also want to extend some thank yous to the british and irish eagles everyone that has supported this podcast um this isn't uh just about the super bowl but it's the end of the season for us and this year has just been massive um in, in, in terms of growth for us, in terms of interaction with all of you, for everyone that listens down to, you know, everyone that's in the WhatsApp group, everyone that um, sends an RT away on Twitter, that likes our social media st- statuses, uh, that, that shares our podcast every week, that uh, talks to us everything about birds every single day, to all the people who joined our fantasy football leagues, um, who were have been sent uh, some great prizes, some great signed Eagles merch has either been sent or is on the way at the moment. Um, To the runners-up, Who will be getting uh, a set of mugs as a consolation prize. Uh, And of course, everyone who uh, donated to the charity that we had this year, which was Hope for Autism, um, a charity very close to my heart. As I've said before on this podcast, I have two daughters. Uh, who are autistic, and it's it it um, it's a charity like I said close to my heart that that helps a lot of children, um, around the country. So we, we managed to raise over six hundred pounds for that charity. It's deeply appreciated. Um, and all can all I can do is extend my thank yous to every single person.
1: Well said, Mick. Well said. Welcome to the buddy.
2: Yeah. Um, welcome to me. Thank you um, for bringing me in. <laughs> I can't hard act to follow um, Mick. Um, I'll just quickly echo his thoughts that yeah, we've we've had another successful year raising money for charity, which to me is um, one of those hidden, uh, not hidden, but sort of the background aspects of what we do. Yet yeah, for the last couple of years, between my fantasy league or various endeavor uh, charity endeavors we've we've raised quite a lot of money for for charity and i think it's nice little sort of round off to the season to 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 sort of finish that off with so last year obviously we did the um ectopic pregnancy trust raised about 4 500 pounds for them we raised 600 pounds for the uh, hope for autism and and we'll be picking a new charity um in the off season probably one close to Liam Tark, makes sense um and then we'll, we'll we'll do it all again we'll try and create some some charity endeavours we'll get a bit more creative now we've got a bit more a few more friends out there in the eagles universe to sort of help help us uh come up with some more creative ideas and um once we've got this difficult podcast over with we can sort of sort of chuck out the old deadwood and start growing again for the ready for the offseason I'm sure in a few weeks time we'll all be like god look how depressed we were and look where we are now. <laughs> we picked up at number 10 draft and look at how excited we are with the two first round picks that we picked up these players that are going to be absolute st- stalwarts for the team to replace some much needed gaps in the team and we'll be fine but yeah um also to touch on the the blackout media side of things i've we've all in the, in the whatsapp group been discussing that none of us have been able to listen to any podcast whatsoever <laughs> so um, if you're
1: listening to this podcast thank you <laughs> yeah so thank you for picking <laughs>
2: us to listen to you or being the one to bring you out of the slump. hopefully we'll manage to do that we'll talk about the negatives we'll talk about some positives and and i'm sure we'll be able to round off with some positive stuff but um yeah let's get on with it i'm sure we will
1: Let's get on with it. Let's get on with the podcast, one hundred percent. And um, yeah, we will pick a charity close to my heart next year. That the Leem to Philadelphia charity, based out of uh, Saint its I'm joking. I uh, will definitely be picking one that's close to my heart in 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 the off season. And uh, well done to everyone for raising money. Right, that's out of the way. Uh, let's get into the game. Let's get into the review of the Super Bowl game against the Chiefs. <clears throat> we don't have your usual the good, the bad, and the damn right sexy. And um, we got some good, which we're going to talk about. And then we got a lot of things which we just need to discuss and go through. And um, yeah, I think let's just kick it off. And I think after that, can we, can we go with some good first? I'm feeling some good first. Let's go with some good first. Uh, right. I'm going to go, I'm just going to go off the bat here uh, straight away. And, and I'm going to go Jalen Hurts. Shocker. Jalen Hurts. My God, my man, my MVP. He's my MVP. I mean, Travis Kelsey came out and said, "I think it might have been on a New Heights podcast, or or maybe when he was interviewed, that Jalen Hurts could have won the MVP even though his team lost." That guy put us on the on our on a on whole team on our back on his back the whole game long. I mean, listen to some of these stats: 27 of 38 for 304 yards and one passing touchdown. Thought Jalen couldn't throw. Thought he couldn't make it to the Super Bowl and 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 work like a passing quarterback. He did that, but he also did that as a rushing quarterback as well. 70 rushing yards on the ground, three touchdowns on the ground. He has set a Super Bowl record for the most rushing touchdowns by a quarterback. Not only that, he is the only quarterback in Super Bowl history to throw for over 300 yards and rush for 70 yards in a Super Bowl. That's one. There's only one person who's done that, and that's that's Jalen Hurts. Talking about his game, I'll bring you in here, Mick, a little bit I suppose, but the way in which he played, some of the moments he had during the game, coming off what was still not that long an injury to his shoulder, was just incredibly impressive, incredibly mature. And God, what a bright future the Eagles have with Jalen Hurts, a quarterback, even if we came up just short. It certainly wasn't his fault we did.
0: No, no. Um... There's, there's a lot of blame to go around for, for, for this Super Bowl loss, and Jalen Hurst's name is not on that sheet. Um, an incredible performance, like you said, like Travis Kelsey said, like most NFL media will say or should say uh, that Jalen Hurst was the best player on that field uh, during the Super Bowl. Uh, it was unfortunate that, you know, we didn't take Lombardi home, but I I truly believe that Jalen did everything in his power to make that happen. Um, all the things that we talked about in the off season about the, the jump that he needed to make, he made the jump uh, to get through his progressions. He got through his progressions. He needed to throw over the middle. He got over the middle. In fact, I'm, I'm just looking at the between the numbers and his passes and stats just now, and he was 11 for 12 for 60 yards passes over the middle. Um, Again, he can't, apparently he can't pass to his left, according to Jason Bell. Um, <laughs> he's throwing bombs down the field. You saw the A.J. Brown touchdown. We've seen it numerous times this season. We know that Jalen can throw. And he was throwing through pain as well, which, you know, we, we also can't forget. Um, <sighs> Jalen is just one of these guys is, you know, th- that defeat will sort of crush him, but he won't let it show. Um, he sort of said after the Super Bowl it was a teaching moment for him as well so he'll learn from it he'll come back stronger and you know a lot of the time quarterbacks say these things and it just seems like lip service you know you're just like yeah okay give the sound bite to the media to get the headline but um, with Jalen I actually truly believe he means what he says um, that he's going to get better he said it last year and what happened? He got better. He got a hell of a lot better. better than nearly anyone expected him to. We didn't expect the Super Bowl. We just didn't. No one did. Um,
3: just and, for, on that, and the like, level
0: of confidence that we had, sorry, Lee, but just the no, level no, of confidence on. we had going into the Super Bowl with him under centre as well, it was just unbelievable. Yeah, uh, sorry, what were you going to say there?
1: No, I was just going to touch on the, the, the post-press conference thing there. Shout out to Gia the podcaster, Phil. Um, you saw he... Um, he made that uh well, the most important question I think that was asked in the press conference after the game, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean for the for that little boy to get out there um as a as a media personality alone is quite a feat. But yeah, asking the most important question out there. Um but yeah, just to echo what, what Mick said, it's 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 unbelievable how much he improved in off season when no one expected anything of him now there's going to be that level of expectation i imagine he's going to be working even harder and in this off season he's going to come back even better and you're and, and you're also right Mick. that probably easily 50 percent, maybe even two-thirds of the confidence that everyone had probably predominantly or uh, originated from the fact that we had him at quarterback, um, mm-hmm. we just felt we could do anything, and for a player to do that, both on and off the field, is 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 absolutely unreal. Like to to think that you know, one guy, I, I was like I said, I was uh, before we came on, I was on the Shall We Football Podcast, and I, and it's like he makes me want to be a better person. It's it's a bit laughable, really, but generally, like how he is off the pitch, but also on the yeah, pitch, it's just incredible. As like, if a guy can be that much of a complete sportsman, personality, lead, role model, leader. In every aspect of his life, then it's possible for us all to be like that. And I know that's a bit of a birthday card pesh sort of <laughs> thing that Mick <laughs> likes to sort of bring up when everyone knows the like, like, <laughs> 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 Um But like to allow the emotions to sort of like run free for a second, it is just one of those things where, like, it's not just his. He's. I said he's a good. You know, he's not just. He's good above and beyond, below the shoulders. And he's not just a good footballer and he is a good footballer but he's just an absolutely amazing he's human a great being. footballer um yeah no of course what i mean is it's like case of no, people start. he's good at football he's really good at football he's one yeah. of the best out there and he will and I, I still love the fact that the nfl uk are making mistakes by that was leaving clickbait him that was publicizing Definitely. probably wise but <laughs> The end of the day I just feel like it's ridiculous. You, you use that. It's just use that because it's keep people he, unbelieving in us. Because then when we come back next year with a much harder schedule, <clears> smash <throat> out of the park once again. It's going to be unreal. I mean that that
1: um that question from Geo just going back to that. <clears throat> and I think you touched on it a little bit there Mick a second ago about the teacher. He's like, now how are you going to learn from this? How are you going to adapt? What's what's going to become of this? And he says, you know, there are so many challenges that you face in life, so many hurdles you have to step over. And depending on the person, you can either um, learn from it and make it a teachable moment, or you can bemoan it and let it run you down. And I kind of just turned around and went, I know what I'm going to do. And it was just like so calm, collective, confidence exubed. You look at him when he scores the touchdowns. I, re-watched, I re <laughs> Jonathan Ruster. I rewatched the game today, um, which... I think I, I need a pat on the back for, to be honest, just <laughs> even coming into this podcast. Yeah, well
4: done. Um, <laughs> um, not, not, sit- as
2: much, not as much of a pat on the back I did as actually having to sit in Passy Young not 12 hours after we were in there watching it defeat and seeing it on the big screen, I was sitting there eating my cheesesteak the following day, swallowing it. Yeah. You were like, I don't I, want to watch it. I refuse to,
4: to, <laughs> to sit
1: in the seat. That wasn't anywhere looking near a TV, so I appreciate that Phil. <laughs> Um But... Um, but yeah, I mean, it was – sorry, that was what I was saying. Um, did, did Jalen Hurst's emotions when he scored the touchdowns? It's ridiculous. He, he just walks over, throws the ball on the ground, turns around, goes back. So level-headed, so even-keeled. I know we've talked about it a lot on this podcast, but to do it on the biggest stage, to do it on the biggest stage, to be eight points down, to drive the team up the field, not only score a touchdown, but to get two-point conversion. Just sensational. I mean, great quarterbacks do that. That's the sort of stuff that you you if Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes or uh, Aaron Rodgers, you know, you don't you give them a little bit of time left on the clock. You can't give them that time because they're gonna, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna get it back. They're gonna get you back in the game, you know. And yeah. I kind of feel like that with Jalen. Like he's got that X Factor, he's got that ability to Get it done when it needs to be done, no matter how it needs to be done. That two point conversion, he gets hit. Like, he get hit the five yard line? He comes through like four players and still manages to get the two point conversion. <clears throat> just a sensational play altogether. And I just want to touch on a couple of other um, <clears throat> amazing plays by Jalen in the game. Throw to Goddard on third and 14 to extend the drive uh, it was incredible. Um, just over the, uh, the DB's head, right into his hand before he gets hit by another DB, straight out of bounds. He made a similar similar pass. He got out a couple of plays beforehand. The 50-yard bomb to Smith on the left-hand side that set up the, two, the touchdown and the two-point conversion inside the game was incredible. As you say, Mick, another bomb to the left. Same as the bomb to the left to AJ for a touchdown. Oh, no, Same you can't throw to the left. To, can't throw to his left? I mean, come on. <laughs> and then the last throw into the end zone, so people were saying, oh, Joel, that just shows Jalen's arm. I'm sorry. I'm not sure what you watched on the field. It didn't look like a great throw in real time. But he dropped back to the 30. He threw the ball from our own 30-yard line, and it landed on the 20. So it landed. It wasn't his best throw because, yeah, his shoulder's still not right, but he still threw 50 yards. Mm-hmm. Problem was, Jalen dropped far too far back to try and attempt that throw. He was never going to make that throw if he wasn't close to the 50-yard line on release. So maybe – Maybe a different play could have been dialed up there if we were going to go into it in detail, but I
4: mean,
0: just an incredible,
1: incredible yeah. performance. Go on, Mick, sorry.
0: No, it was just that, that last play. I mean, if, if you're really expecting anything from it, you're catching at straws, because 99.9% of the time, nothing happens. And those sort of Hail Mary situations, they're just done.
1: <laughs> and just a touch on this fumble, because maybe remiss of us not to, could have happened any time in the season, could have happened any game, Freak moment. It's not something he struggles with that we that we really need to be worried about. Was it ideal? No. Was it a reason we lost the game? No.
2: And with that, <laughs> no, <laughs> just to interrupt on that bit. Sorry about that. Mate. Go ahead. When you, when you were talking about how cool and calm he is when the celebrations, did you guys um seen that? Um, I think it was on and I opened up on Twitter. I can't remember who said it, but when Sirianni was Sort of getting involved when they were reviewing the smith pass wasn't it and they were then yeah hertz is sort of like he he's like puts his hand out to Siriani and (laughs) like calm down we're better better than this and you're not gonna impact the play you know don't be a 49ers fan this that's basically what he said to him don't be a 49ers fan calm down um (laughs) yeah i mean incredible
1: what do you do? You, what do you take from that, Phil? Like, are you looking? Are you looking at as a a negative on Sirianni or a plus on Hertz or a both or neither?
2: It's good. It's a good question because you can make the arguments that that sets an awful lot of light on the fact that Sirianni is so impulsive and emotional. Maybe Hertz has been doing a lot of that this season, sort of rolling, reeling him back in. Saying like, and, and the fact that you've got such a a cool hand, Luke at, your, at quarterback, is that he's doing more than just winning games and playing football. He's uh, he's in the background, sort of keeping everyone grounded, including the uh, the coaching. Um, because we all know all the coaches are sort of jumping out of their seats, just dating, throwing, throwing the toys out, getting angry, but he's just calm. The 49ers um, championship game, all the players coming on the pitch to sort of kick off at the end of the game when um mm. it was a Cavan Wallace or something got thrown to the ground.
1: Do you think it might have been a little bit to do with like so? Throw a different angle out of here for a second, Phil.
2: Hertz likes to be in the
1: zone. He loves to be calm in every moment. Siriani was right next to him when he did it. Do so you think it might have been a little bit of like calm down because it was affecting his calmness, as opposed to calm down? You shouldn't be doing that.
2: No, I think it's more. It's more like that. I, I think it is something along the lines of Siriani needs him to keep him grounded, not just. On the pitch, yeah. by the side of the pitch, but in the background as well, and I think that just maybe spilled over in the moment. Like that was the moment where it's just like, just you know, this is what I've been. This is what we talk about. You no, know, like you need to reel it in. Or I think it just maybe just in the moment, he's just being that leader, being that guy. That well, you, if, you, if that's we true, can... right?
1: If that's true. You could argue that is a terrible trait to have in a coach because your quarterback, he's younger than you, shouldn't be telling you to calm down. Uh,
0: not trying not to most, make it's this... not the first time this yeah, season. Like. Sariani's came mm-hmm. out before in press conferences and said, you know, there's time where Jalen so City calm them down or um I think yeah, I he said vice versa at one point and I was like, nah, it doesn't sound like Jalen. Um he's he's a, an emotional guy. He saw it during the um the National Anthem. National Anthem, yeah. The Sirianni and the, the sort of tears strong down his face. Um like mm-hmm. so and we saw it in the Colts game as well, He got very, very animated during um, the goals. Um, to defend his, you know, his dad, I... Frank Drake. Uh... <laughs> <laughs>
2: He's just an emotional <laughs> guy. That's it. It's just the yeah, like, whole I... yin and Yang thing with Sam and I don't think it's a bad thing at all. I think, like much like on this podcast, we, us, the three of us, have contrasting characteristics and personalities, and together we are greater than the sum of our parts.
1: Really, we've got that. contrasting personalities. No, <laughs> I bring the fence You bring the
2: outrageous hurt takes, and Mick brings the whiskey. Um, you mean
1: you mean the uh, truthful hurtful takes, right? Yeah.
2: Mm. <laughs> but but to, to go back to the point, it's it's along the lines of I I'm I'm i got a problem with Tyrion. I mean, it gives me a little bit of that kind of. Ooh, I hope that's not a sign of a bigger problem. But that's about it. It's more like I hope there's nothing more to that than what it is. I. Prefer, I think we've enjoyed Sirianni this season, getting animated, caring. You hope a, or
1: you believe, Phil? You hope it's not, or you believe it's not something to be concerned about.
2: I hope it's not. I don't know. I don't know because it's like there's not enough to go on. But we've Sounds seen like a fence take to me. We weren't complaining <laughs> that he was animated and cares about his teams and like his ethos is about love and brotherhood and part of his management style is the over exuberance maybe just sometimes it just creeps out a little bit like he's not quite in control of it in moments like that that's just some he seems like an an emotional impulsive person i think having someone like Hertz at quarterback and just generally in a very senior leadership role balances that out so together they're fine and that was literally nothing more than him just saying we're not, you know, bringing him back down. Just like he gets out of his box, he gets overexcited. He gets into that moment. He cares so damn much about the team and what's going on. It's the Super Bowl. You want him to give a shit that much. I want him to be dancing up and down the sidelines. I don't. I hate it when coaches are just sort of sat there, stone faced, and do nothing. Like Bill Belichick, I you know, don't know if he's pissed. Did John,
1: Did Jonathan Gannon show you enough emotion that he cared
2: about it in the Super Bowl? Well, he did in, the, in his car, but apart from that, um, <laughs> he's. Yeah, it's down side of things we'll talk about in a bit, though. So I think Sirianni, I'm happy. I'm, I think it's, it was noteworthy. I want to look at it as a positive thing. It was her show like really demonstrating his leadership, his calmness, his coolness, and and just sort of showing that he is basically the the core, the rock of the team, not just the players but the coaches as well. I
1: agree. I agree with you. And and then people looked a lot at what Hurts did by pulling it down. Did many people see Sirianni's reaction to it? He gave him this kind of knowing smirk back as if to say yeah i got you like but not in a bad not in a it didn't come across as oh i'm a child i've been slapped down like um, the headmasters told me off it came across as a you shouldn't be doing that but i'm gonna let you away with a smile kind of vibe um so yeah, yeah, yeah. i, I I'm, I'm with you i just wanted to see get your thoughts on it really i can imagine
0: if- i can imagine Phil was doing that to you and on sunday
1: I don't think anyone was pulling my hand down on Sunday. Morning. No, no it,
2: was, it was everyone has their own different ways of dealing with the traumatic emotional experience. Liam's was just to be defiant and shout EAGS every five seconds, which for him works. For me, I just go within myself. I'm just sat stony faced at the front of the front of the uh, the bar. Sort of with the screen going because all that matters to me right now is the Eagles doing what they need to do. I don't give a shit about anybody else in this bar, and that comes across as me being a grumpy, miserable fuck. I so. well, I'm glad you said it, <laughs> not me.
1: Um, <laughs> no, it was it was it was a great day, Patrick. Shout out to Kyle, one of our newest members of the British and Irish Eagles, who I had to who was inconsolable at the end of the game, Um tears down his face. Bless him. So uh, that helped.
4: Me always.
3: That helped.
1: That helped me be a little bit more Cameron in, in in the scenario, giving him a hug, but. It was pretty evident that when the game ended, it was very quiet and people started to leave. But anyway, let's move on. Let's move on to the next, the next part. Let's talk about some of the reasons why we... Now, before we do that, <clears throat> let's talk about um, our wide receivers. You know, I want to come back to you here on this. Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. Devontae Smith, first player to record 100 yards in the National Championship and the Super Bowl. I didn't know that. A.J. Brown, 96 yards with six catches and a touchdown. Mick, Phil seems to disappeared, so maybe you can take that one.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's fine. No, uh, I remember Devontae Smith's uh, uh, contribution to the national championship game uh, when he was with Alabama, and they took him off at halftime because they just didn't need him anymore. That's how good this guy was. Yards,
1: um, was there? Something
0: stupid. Yeah. And, and, and he won the Heisman off the back of it as well. I just sealed the deal. Um, heck of a player and he's been showing it all season towards the back end of the season. He's just getting better, better, and better in December. He, I'm sure he had ridiculous stats, uh, throughout the playoffs. I think he was starting to overtake AJ Brown, to be honest. And, and most of his performances, uh, and he just goes strength to strength to strength. This is only his second year in the league, um, which we must remember. And I think that that performance that he put in in the Super Bowl will make a lot of people notice uh, Devontae Smith because he is definitely still flying under the most people's radars. that are not regular watchers of the Eagles, you know, they're Eagles fans. They don't watch him week in, week out. They're just looking at the, the, the fantasy football metrics and, and trying to determine what a good player actually is. Uh, Sorry to tell you, it's nothing to do with fucking fantasy football. Um, Your eyes will tell you what a good player is. And Devontae (laughs) Smith is a damn good player. Uh, He showed what you can do in the the, the game of games, the biggest game in world, football. Uh, And he's shown. He's shown like a star. The star that he absolutely is. And uh, Again, you can't wait to see this guy next year. He's just going to be even better.
2: He he had an absolutely unbelievable end of the season and I'm, I know Mick's talking about it. it's nothing fantasy is not important but I picked him up a few leagues halfway through the season and it just came to be a really good decision because I just had a feeling that he was going to have such a, a, a stonking end to the season and having 100 yards in the Super Bowl and the Heisman, uh, not Heisman the, the college championship game as well just goes to show that this guy has just got talent for days and like, I think he limped off at some point, didn't he? It like, looked like he'd had a bit of a jar in knee and he, he he limped off. Do you remember when people
1: said he was too small or too brittle to be a wide receiver in the NFL and he was just a broken? Got a lot of... He's, got he's lot tough. Of,
2: he's tough. He's a tough guy and he looks like he might snap in two, but generally, like, I don't... I mean, when we... First Let's catch of the game, him. Phil.
1: For, first catch of the game, um, he got absolutely mullered on the sideline. Mullered on the sideline. Just went straight back up.
2: Yeah, and on top of that, like I said, he, he, there was a point where he was like limping off. He looked like he was sort of trying to just get off the pitch. Quick, he was back in one snap later.
3: Yeah, um,
2: yeah. He's got a lot of toughness, and and to have AJ Brown, Devontae Smith going into a second season together, along with Hurts, like those three, and God, are, are just going to be absolutely frightening.
1: And just to touch on your point, Mick, um, which was really well made about the how he's turned up in December and in the playoffs. He led the league in receiving against the Giants. He le- Sorry, the league. He led the team in receiving against the Giants. He led the team in receiving against the 49ers. And he led the team in receiving against the Kansas City Chiefs. So the, f- the three playoff games where it mattered most, he came up clutch. AJ Brown didn't do too well in the, the prior games, but he came up with 96 yards and a touchdown in the Super Bowl. And if you get 96 yards and a touchdown in the Super Bowl, what else do you expect you to do as a wide receiver? I mean, come on, a wide receiver won. Like That was more than Kelsey got on the other side of the field. Ironic that it hurts through for nearly double the amount of passing runs that Mahomes did in his Super Bowl, eh? Just <laughs> Just lay that one out there for a second. Guy, you know, guy doesn't throw, although Mahomes did have three uh, passing touchdowns. Okay, let's talk about some of the reasons why we lost and some of the discussion points to talk about. <clears throat> Should we get a couple of the conspiracy theories out of the way first? Go for it. All right.
0: I'll wait. i need going to get him a tinfoil. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing.
1: I love it.
3: Can we move to change? Um, right. First off, the officiating. Mick. Oh,
0: you want me just to go? Um, yeah. Yes, the, the officiating. Uh, <laughs> there were crucial moments in this game. That to one fairly significant oh, touch on that secondly uh, but the, the first one and in fact they we're both at the end of each half so the, the first one that I'm going to speak about is the Devontae Smith no catch um, which was inside the second uh, the two minute warning in the first half and that stopped us going for a touchdown I'm pretty sure we would have had a first down in Chiefs territory around the 15 yard line something like that it was in the red zone anyway uh, that was obviously uh, ruled as no catch, and we kicked the field goal to go up ten at half time. Now that ten, I mean, kicking the field goal there to go up to go up, you know three points, we, we could have had seven there, and that is massive. Like I know we were up ten at half time, but it could have been more, and that just makes it even more difficult for the Chiefs. And and what's more, we only lost the game by three points, so. I mean, that's how tight the margins can be in the Super Bowl is that you need the decisions on the field to be called correctly as they are. And that one was a miss by the officials, in my opinion. Now, you might be listening to the podcast and you might think, well, Mick, what about this decision, this decision, blah, 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 blah. Well, I don't give a fuck about that, all right? I'm hurtling. So (laughs) I'm going to decide that I'm going to focus on this particular call because it pissed me off at the time. I'm still pissed off about it. You should be also pissed off about it if you're listening. But such is the way it went in. I was still happy at halftime. But full time, I wasn't happy. So then I think about this call, and it was bullshit. Bullshit call. And it held us back, and yeah, I'm still not over it. But that wasn't it. That, that, that wasn't the call that everyone is talking about. The, the one that, if you look up Super Bowl LV2 on Twitter or any social media platform, everyone's talking about the flag, the holding call, the James Bradbury Call, uh, hold on, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster in the dying minutes of the game. Oh, I hate uh, that man, by the way. Oh, we all hate him. Um, I hated him before he went to the Chiefs. Same. You know that I hated him before that, and uh, and I've just doubled down on that hate. But
1: do you remember? Was was he the one who was like rest, like playing tug of war with like a leopard or something, and like. Videos in the offseason before he was traded it was him or it was James Connor it was one of my camera I can't, remember, oh,
0: I can't remember, that. remember that I just remember that he used to when he was with the Steelers he used to dance on the oh, yeah. oh, on the opposing team's uh, crest in the middle of the field and that's just a dickhead move and and we saw what kind of person he is um, on social media a couple of days later when it was Valentine's Day he posted that stuff about James Bradbury just talk about kick a guy while he's down. Um, James Brad, just, sorry, just quickly touch on that. Um, James Bradbury, who's like the, the guy in the team that speaks the least, who's very quiet, he's very into himself. He doesn't, he's, he's not like Darius Lee. Like Darius Lee, is like the complete opposite of James Bradbury. He's like Darius Slay, like runs his mouth all the time and talks shit. But James Bradbury's dead quiet and he was interviewed after the game, straight after the Super Bowl, you know, and he's like, yeah, it was a holding call, it's unfortunate, blah, blah, blah. And, and he's just a guy that takes that straight on his chest. And then just gets dogged like that on on social media. That's bullshit, man. And I'm, I'm mm. glad that the players came to his rescue and all that sort of stuff. That's nice. Um, big shout out to James Bradbury. That's 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 called being a man and stepping up and owning that. Um, his,
1: his last play in an Eagles jersey.
0: Last play, yeah. Well, I think it will have to be the money that he's got in command and and free agency. I think will be too high for for how he. I don't think James Um, Bradby is going to go
1: home and say that he owes more to the City of Philadelphia, take a cut price offer and stay there to come and win a trophy (laughs) with us.
0: Well, stranger things have happened. Um, We'll see. We'll see. Uh, I know we've got a lot of discussion over the offseason to talk about how which free agents we'll want to sign and what ones will let go. That's the only
1: thing keeping me going at the moment uh, is the knowledge uh, that we have to get to talk about that kind We've of got
0: a lot of free agency <laughs> frenzy talk uh, coming up and we've, we've got all the draft talk coming up. It's an exciting time still. It's like, don't rem- remember. Yeah, we lost the Super Bowl, but um, life goes on. The team goes on. We're still supporters of the team at the end of the day. We still bleed green. Um, we'll wear those Eagles jerseys with pride outside when we're, out and about walking the kids on going shopping doing whatever mindless task that you're doing you, you wear the Eagles badge on your on your chest and you feel pride the amount of that. times
1: you have to go to the post office to post out to our members i mean <laughs> how many times is that a year <laughs> oh, constant <laughs> constant Hey, i want to bring you in my friend um, and i want to talk about the pitch As I said, getting some excuses that we're not using as excuses out the door first, and then we'll talk about the real reasons why um, we lost. But just your thoughts on the pitch. Mick, Mick, in the the research we did earlier, made a comment that the Chiefs players didn't change their cleats, but all the Eagles players did.
2: Actually, that was me. I put those notes in. Um ah, I thought it'd okay, it would be a fun thing to discuss because ah, I've seen a few things. I apologize
1: around. wholeheartedly. I'm I'm sorry.
2: I know. Well, after you after I I got criticized like the other part for, for not doing any research, I thought I'd better do some <laughs> <other things. laughs> Shame that it
0: put in the notes. There. Um
2: <laughs> no, I, I I've seen a few things dotted around <laughs> on social media. Obviously, it's a big talking point. no go birds have talked about. Um, podcast immediately after the Super Bowl, I managed to get through a bit of that. But there, obviously, people are clutching at straws. But I did find it particularly interesting a few things that have been pointed out about it, which were obviously there was a lot of players slipping and sliding. So you know, the pitch is wet. Which how Reddick was I'm an ice skates man. He was ice. He was, but it's common. I mean, maybe because it's more common over here that we see pitch is getting absolutely doused in 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 water before before matches and it's because it's better for the ball the ball's obviously on the the floor a lot more um I imagine being a being a pitch being in the desert it does get watered an awful lot so I'm not the sort of person who reads too much into it but then the more I've listened to people talking about it and then people have said like they're the groundsman for Arizona used to work for the Chiefs yeah all right mm.
4: um, you know,
2: in hats getting bigger and bigger as I as I talk but um Eagles players were having to change it's it. It's a fix! Hurts was Hertz changed his cleats. Um and then started playing better. Uh, loads of other like there's just a pile of cleats on the side. I think there was a during the super I didn't remember it sort of panned across to it. Apparently none of the Chiefs players had to do it. But and lots of people are saying, Yeah, well, if it's a wet pitch, it obviously affects both teams. But when the biggest factor in your your success in the season is nearly smashing the sack record for the league um coming in third overall then that's a massive aspect of your game that gets nullified so and i'm i'm i don't want to entertain the theory because i don't want to believe that something out of the player's control that sometimes things just happen things don't go your way i'm more like you know say that's it that's how life goes and we'll, we'll get over it but there are a few like coincidences i suppose in regards to pitch that kind of make you think like i mean the way the media is. Sort of seems to be against. Did you us. see no the? Did there. you
1: see the hug that Roger Goodell gave to the Chiefs? Um, what was Not it? Really what was his pass rush? Basically yeah. said, you can hit a quarterback any way you like. Did you see that comment? He
2: made. Yeah, uh, it's. But again. It, it does feel it just it, it's a bit disheartening. I mean, like, if there is some sort of agenda, there, it's just really disappointing because we we watch the sport because we love it because it's unique. Anything can happen. When you start taking away that anything can happen, because there's this script narrative going around, and you can kind of think, "Well, I really hope there isn't any any substance, even just a, a minuscule of truth to any of the the rules." It's like apparently I saw something a long a while ago that because the NFL is actually physically classed as sports entertainment, much like wrestling. They can actually legally fix a game, and nothing can do. They can, nothing can be done about. it. I don't no, know that way.
1: can't be true. I don't know.
3: It feels
2: no. like. A <laughs> no,
1: I'm not buying that. You got the script no for
2: the
0: Super Bowl.
1: Uh, look, joke, jokes aside, you know, yes, there may have been done some things done. We've seen it in the NFL over the years, Deflate Gate, all that kind of stuff. So teams obviously do try and get an advantage. I'll, I'll short, I'll fall short of saying. I'll stop short of saying that there was a script for the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl <laughs> here. I mean, I'm, pretty, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to. be just upsetting. It's just, it's that just upsetting. It's just It's, upsetting. Upsetting.
0: It it's just the way that it ended. But it's like just go back to the flag thing again, man. It's. it's, it's, it's you just wanted to see Jalen with the ball in his hands again, like, but with a proper opportunity, and it was just so soft. It was mm, just ridiculously soft. It was. It was. I know Bradbury said it was a hold, but. Cheat. Like they weren't calling those the whole game, and just they the be called ended. all game, even, any even, game, yeah. Even the rules were saying that like it, the game should have ended that way. It's just bullshit. But them's the rules, and we have to follow them. And uh, okay,
1: hey, just and to... also listen, an NFL, an NFL Super Bowl classic as well. Go on.
2: But okay, I've just quickly done a quick search, and I think I found the tweet that I came from when it says that the NFL is classed as sports entertainment and can legally be fixed.
1: Is it NFL memes or something?
3: <laughs>
2: no. It is, I mean, make it what you will. I'm not saying whether it's more adds more legitimacy or not. But is there a blue it's tick? From, it's from Uber Facts. And they are blue tick. Rush I know means fuck all these days. But guess how many followers they've got? 12. Thirteen. <laughs> Thirteen. Point six million. Million. 13.6 million Wow. So I don't even know anything about them, so I'm not reading too much into it, but the tweet no. is verbatim. Um, the are they owned
1: by Uber? <laughs> <It> might
2: be. <laughs> the NFL is recognized as a sports entertainment business like the WE, and they can legally fix the outcome of games. Are you sure that's not uh, the
1: XFL they're talking about? <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, All what I'm saying is, it doesn't surprise me because the way, the way American sports are run is they are much more... We love American sports because they're entertaining, and I, I, I think there's some sort of... I don't necessarily believe that, but what I'm saying
1: is... No, no, no. I, I get where you're going. Pro football Talk, we've been talking about it all season.
2: Yeah. Um, so and especially with all the that. different
1: gambling licenses and, bet, and betting laws in the different states in the US. Um, mm. So I'm not I'm, you know, I'm not saying it's beyond the realms of possibility. What I'm not going to do is come on this podcast and say that it was fixed and that's why we lost. Yeah. Because, come on, <laughs> I'm you know, not saying that. We're I'm not, much, I'm not saying we're that much better than that. I <laughs> just <laughs> like
2: the... this podcast conspiracy. <laughs> I just like the fact that there are enough of these comments and there's enough to kind of like, if you really wanted to put your tin hat on, you could generally believe these things because there's, they're not just wild accusations. They're saying... The I board, reckon there's 13.6 the, the
1: million people in the world who think the earth is
2: flat. I'm well. not well, it doesn't talking mean it's about strange. that anymore. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about that anymore. What I'm talking about <laughs> is the fact that if you want to make an argument for it, it's not as far-fetched as saying the earth is flat. All
1: right. There are, like, hear, someone heard says it here first. You heard it, it, Phil Mount Stevens thinks the world is flat and the NFC NFL Super Bowl has been rigged. It
0: tilted right, we'll they the the of there. the let the adults talk <laughs> Um so It was harder for us to run. We were running up. We were running we're up. Running up yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I heard it was a night to the Templars who organised it all, actually. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right, well, fuckies. Um... I just say that if you want to say that the, the pitch was wetter than normal, it will it would affect the ball being snapped. The ball is going to be slippier and that will would increase the chance of it was a really uncharacteristic fumble by Hertz. And if someone will to say to you it's because they massively overwatered the pitch and the grasses was absolutely fucking soaking that he picked it up one ball, one one snap and it just slipped out of his hands. I can believe that as much as I can turn around and go, I'm not going to use that as an excuse or let that be the reason why I think we lost the game. I'm just saying. For the conspiracy theorists out there, you can kind of, it's not as far fetched as conspiracies where you kind of look and go, the world is flat. Well, where's your evidence for that? There is no fucking evidence for it, but there's evidence for the fact that everyone was slipping all over the place. I read it couldn't get anywhere near Patrick Mahoney. Sure. sure. Jalen Hurts fumbled the ball. So, what I'm saying is, the more potent thing
1: to say is that both teams had the same pitch. And maybe one yeah, team were more like- prepared for the outcome than the other team was.
2: Yeah, but I touched on that by saying like, but when your game plan or the, the one of the, literally the five pillars of the Eagles success yeah, yeah, yeah. season Absolutely. was the pass rush. And if you oh. nullify the pass rush, the, the, the Chiefs <clears throat> pass rush was nowhere even close to it. So it's not going to affect them. On that level, it's, you know. Well, it was, need...
1: se- it was second in the league behind the Eagles.
0: That was yeah.
2: miles, miles behind. Was it
1: Oh, I was miles behind it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know what you're saying. I Phil, I know what you're saying. I'm, I'm only just um, maybe, and then,
0: maybe the field was saturated by Sarah's tears before the game. <laughs> we're in the next yeah. Mano
1: podcast, and we are sponsored by US, UFO Discoveries on Fox News. <laughs> All right. Um, let's get on to the real reasons why we lost this game. And Mick, you mentioned the key um, phrase earlier, and that was crucial moments. Crucial moments were the reason we lost this game. It was only one in the first half. We've just talked about it, the fumble pick six. Could have happened at any point in the season. We've already talked about it. We don't need to talk about it again. Let's talk about something that a few people have been talking about and we haven't talked about so far on this podcast. And that's Quez Watkins and his drop. Mick?
0: Yes. Um, Quez Watkins... Uh... Had the drop. <laughs> uh, it, 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 was, it was just... What, Full disclosure.
1: Of... Hang on, hang on. I don't, know, I don't know who it was who was in the... Um, who, were you in a document with me earlier, Phil, when you changed it? Or was it you, Mick, when I was writing about Quez Watkins in the notes? It was you, Phil. Okay. So you, you haven't seen this, Mick, right? So basically, I'm in there typing the notes up, and I'm putting... Is Quez Watkins really a a, a third a, a wide receiver three? And then all of a sudden like it changed to five. <laughs> and I didn't know why it happened. Like there was a ghost in my computer. And I realized Phil was in there. Sorry, I just wanted to. I I, I that's why I thought it was Mick earlier and um, who made those comments. I thought it was Mick in there. But is he a, is he a wide receiver three? Mick, is he a wide receiver four? Do we need to get rid of him? This is something we've seen all season, right?
0: It's disappointing. Uh, and I know he's, he's sort of becoming a bit of a scapegoat. And listen, people listening. I am not in any way saying it's Quez Watkins' fault that we lost the Super Bowl based on one drop that we had uh, during the second half. That is not what I'm saying at all. But what I am saying is that we rely on Quez to be called upon when his number is called upon. Yeah. When he is getting the ball when Jalen, sees him open or throws him open, he has to make that catch. That is crucial for him to make that catch because either Devontae Smith is covered, AJ Brown is or is, is covered, or doing the, the blocking work behind that. Um, we have schemed this so that the ball is going to Quez Watkins. And it, it only happens maybe one, two, three times a game, maximum. And he has to make that catch. I'm sorry. Just, I know that's maybe it's unfair to say, like, a guy that's not targeted very much. Like, oh, well, he has to catch. Yes, he has to catch the ball. It's his fucking job. The ball. Went through his hands. Went through. He got both hands on the ball. Yeah. And, and, and it's just disappointing. And it's not the first time this season. It's just, it's, it's not the first time... Uh, he had. He's made some plays. Let's, let's not get it wrong. He has made some plays this season. But I, I think we can do better. I think Quez can do better. Uh, he, he's a guy who, you know, I was singing his praises in the last season. I thought he, he could be one of these sleeper guys who comes up massive. Uh, he's got the build for it. He seems to get better on his route running tree. But then we see him in-game and he's getting out-muscled on the ball. He goes up for the 50-50. It's not a 50-50 when it's Quez. It's a 70-30 and 30's on Quez's side. Um, whether or not he takes that down, uh, it's just really disappointing. And it's just highlighted um, and underlined three times because it's a Super Bowl. And it's unfortunate for him. And I know I feel I feel bad giving him shit, but someone's got to take it um, and it's got to Fall on his shoulders just now, as well as many others. I mean, like I said at the start of the segment, I am no way blaming Quez for losing the Super Bowl. That's not what I'm trying to say. It's just that when the ball comes his way, he has to make the play. He has to make sure he has money. Um, it's, yeah, it's it's just a hard one to take. Really.
1: I, I'm I'm going. I'm I'm fuming at Quez Watkins. I'm fuming at Chris Watkins. I think he's taken a huge backstep this year. He's been given all the tools. His quarterback is throwing the ball more accurately by 10%, 12% than he was the year before. He's got two elite wide receivers around him to learn from. And he took back and made a terrible play in one of the most important, It's probably the most important catch he's ever going to get in his career. I don't think he's ever going to be in a Super Bowl again, unless we keep him the next year and we and we run it back. And even then, I'm not sure he's going to be on the field. I think they're going to give some of the guys a go on the practice roster, you know. They're going to go and see what that um, what's his name, the uh, the runner,
0: uh, not Brent, not Brent Covey. No, um, what's his
1: name?
0: D- Allen, Devin Allen,
1: Devon Allen. And he, you know, Watkins' is best attribute is his speed. I'm sorry, mate. You can be quick as you want. We don't catch the ball when it's coming through your hands. When it's mattered, then you don't get on a team like this. Not with the talent that's on this team. It's a wide receiver position, and like because he's not targeted as much, he's wide receiver three. Like it's not like he's wide receiver five. He's been wide receiver three this year. I, I wouldn't give him that much slack, you know. Yes, he's not targeted as much because we have Goddard and Smith and Brown, but he's still wide receiver three. You know, he still he still had thirty three receptions this year for three hundred and fifty odd yards and three touchdowns. I'd like to see how many targets there were. I haven't got that sat in front of me. I'd like to see how many targets he. Had this year compared to those 33 or 35 receptions he had. For me, I'm, I'm done with him. I'm gone. He's turning 25 in June. It's not like he's a 21, 22 year old. I know 25 isn't old, but he's shown me nothing but regression. Phil, how are you feeling about it? I know we're not look, supposed to be looking into next year, but I can't see Quez making a team at this rate.
2: No, you can. I think I'd agree with you. There's an argument to be made that he's not not done enough to be. Wide receiver three next season, and, I, and I'd agree with that. Joking side, you know, he isn't a wide receiver three anymore. Who are wide receivers going to be come come September is is definitely a question that needs to be answered this offseason. Whether they can find someone willing to come in and be a wide receiver three behind um, Smith and Brown, or whether they find someone in the draft who they can take a chance on, I think there's probably a stronger shout of taking a chance on someone in, in sort of like the middle rounds, sort of you know. For a wide receiver, why someone who might just come and be that, that that um that that star that you find in the rough, like nothing that you're going to wait high drift, draft pick on. But I mean, you don't the even need a
1: star, home. though, Phil. You need someone reliable. If Greg Ward played that game on Sunday, I reckon we might have won.
2: Yeah, but what um, Greg Ward wouldn't have been in that far up the field. The, the, the you don't game don't
1: need it when you have got Devonte Smith and AJ Brown.
2: I. I don't. I don't feel like. I feel like you're being a bit too harsh on him in terms of. I get it. Of and course. I agree with you. What, what he did. What he did. What he did wrong, was wrong. He's not. He's not good enough in that moment. But I feel like he's never been overall that bad. He's been an eight, more than able wide receiver three. He's beaten out Pascal all season. You know, there's quite every, every chance that Pascal was could have come in and been the wide receiver three. So he's your, what, was he round
1: six, Phil. Was he round six? You picked him.
2: Yeah, up? he was a sixth round pick, and and I'm thinking. It, it, there was a chance for him to do it and unlike other players like Hertz who have made a massive step up he's made a step back he even admitted that himself in the in the uh, in the postseason sort of interviews um yeah, fuck I'm, I'm I'm happy to keep him around because I believe that he would quite not happily but he would understandably be sitting in the wide receiver four or five practice squad as because he, he and he'd be someone that I'd be happy to click around like if you're thinking if he goes on to, the, to say that. Uh, Becomes a practice squad player. I don't think you can say that you wouldn't take him as a practice squad player. Someone's called up if I'd take him as a practice I squad. Him. I think he gets,
1: I think he gets picked up off waivers if he goes onto the practice squad. I don't think he'll he'll be staying the practice squad. But what I think, I think where I'm at now, well, you're he saying, is you're saying, saying awesome.
2: he gets picked up off a practice squad quite easily, but then you're saying yeah. he's absolutely match. The two can't necessarily. No, they be. are
1: because I think organizations are idiots and and we're not. And I, I would like <laughs> to see him go and yeah. fail somewhere else. Like I, I do, yeah. I think he's shown enough in the league. He's got five touchdowns in his career. Um He's got 80 receptions in his career and he's got, I don't know, five, 600 yards in the three seasons he's been there. So <clears throat> I think he's capable of um, being a flash in the pan, throw, throw him the ball once a game, twice a game, but he's shown that he isn't capable of doing consistently enough. And I don't need someone who's going to be a home run hitter as my wide receiver three in the Eagles when you have Devontae um, Smith and A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard. I need someone who's going to catch the ball every time I throw it to him, which is why I would have played good. Yeah, league and, league I, I, and, game I, and I,
2: I think... And I think that maybe Greg Ward or Pascal would have been wide receiver three going into the season had Qued Grotkin not come off a fairly decent season last year and the camp was pretty solid in itself. And it's just he established himself as the wide receiver three and he's just not lived up to that that, that level and he, he's not been good enough to to secure it going, going forward. All that means is he's going to drop down the pecking order and we're going to look at start getting in someone in the off season either through, through free agency or through the draft to come in and have a crack at being wide receiver three, which ultimately will be better for us in the long run, because we'll get someone in who has either got a chance to be better or is better. Um, yeah. And that's where we go from there, I think.
1: Yeah. No, I, listen, I don't, I don't entirely disagree if you have a slightly different opinion on it, but I'm just going to put it out there right now. So, um, the first game of the season, 2023, 2024, is Quez Watson on the 53, Mick? Oh,
3: on the 53. Um,
2: Yes. So? Probably not.
4: <laughs> After all that.
2: <lad. laughs> no, I didn't disagree that you won't be. I just said that I feel like you're being a little bit overly critical. We lost the Super Bowl. Him. I'm
1: allowed
2: to be. No, I'm, I'm, that's what I mean. I, all I was defending was him in that moment. In terms of overall season, I, I think if we do draft someone, a wide receiver in, in sort of like the top four rounds, or we pick up a decent free agency signing, then then the answer will be no. I feel like those are quite likely. So therefore, I'd have to say that he wouldn't be on the, the 53.
1: Very well, well thought out response from Phil. That's why we have him on this podcast. Too much emotion coming out of me and Mick over here at the sideline. We need someone talking some sense, don't we, Mick?
0: <laughs> of we do. Phil grounds us.
1: <laughs> um, good stuff. All right. That was uh, reason one in the second half why we lost. Uh, I don't think this has been given any coverage. Which is ironic because I'm about to talk about coverage, and that is Darius Slay uh, on the on the, uh, the touchdown uh, he blew on the 12th minute of the fourth quarter. The Chiefs were third and three, so had they not made this play into the end zone, it would have been a, a field goal. And then, of course, uh, you know we saw what happened yesterday. Game the point differential, as Mick mentioned earlier on, would have mean the Eagles would have won. Obviously, different things would have happened, but. I was really disappointed in how much Slay bit on the go route by Tony. Moved in a little bit, judging outside. Slay took his eyes off him, lifted his hand, pointed to the far corner of the end zone and said, the play's going over there. By the time Slay realized the play wasn't going over there, Tony was already in the end zone. And anyone who hasn't watched it back, and if you want to, look at some blame where I don't think it's been thrown anywhere so far go and have a look at the Slay blown, blown coverage I'm not going to throw to you or Mick you or Phil on this one because you haven't watched the game back and I don't remember that happening live in the game so I feel like it would be a bit of a grenade I to, throw to you. Very well. you do all right Phil go on
2: yeah, you've described it perfectly I was just like reliving yeah. it in my nightmares um, yeah, which is so. Remember getting
1: the hand up and like pointing over to the other corner? Yeah, he was like, like, he was,
2: yeah. he was gesturing and frantically. And then in the, when they, as they start to go past the line of scrimmage or the quarterback yeah. level, he obviously loses him, um, Tony immediately. I mean, great play design from the Chiefs, I think.
1: I mean, the I same mean, time that, sorry to interject, Phil, the same time that Slay puts his hand up to turn around and look the other way is the point in which Tony cuts and goes
2: yeah work. that's what I mean so that's that's clearly been designed that way he's like once you once you get in the bunk mixture of bodies between you and the sticky if, if you see uh, the cornerback if you see him follow you as soon as you get in line with that go back worst case scenario is he tracks you and he comes back and you've got a chance of catching it anyway yeah. it's a great design call and that's yes. another reason why we probably last we can touch about it with the coaching side of the thing from yeah. from Andy Reid but, but yeah it was just disappointing because it's not the first time that's happened for Slay happening against the Bears and I think it's happened at least once or twice more and I love Slay and I think he is a great and he had a great first half of the season but it just felt in the latter half of the season there's just a couple of plays where he just
1: Defend your man, stop trying to be too clever right Just l- l- defend, lost, defend your l-
2: guy Lost, his head, lost himself lapse of concentration, poor defensive coaching, could be any number of the above but it happened a lot with him so it makes me think that I don't know maybe maybe he got a bit too big for his boots during the first half of the season, I thought he was invincible thought no one was going to go near him and he knew everything and he got a bit cocky and Maybe he was just generally confident that's the way it was going. Maybe mm. he'd seen something in earlier plays where that's how they, the motion had gone on the previous play and he was just convinced that was happening. And let's be honest, if that was what was happening, if Tony was going... We would have been um, louding him,
1: yeah.
2: If we if we were, if he was going in motion and his motion was to go all the way over the other side, Slay would have called it perfectly and would have nailed him in the, at the line of scrimmage. But that's what... So he was, you know, sometimes, in, especially in the Super Bowl, you can be like, this is the play I'm gonna, I'm gonna basically turn. I'm gonna make the player of the Super Bowl here. I'm gonna to stop Tony before he even gets past line of scrimmage because they dialed up a play and I knew what was happening and I saw it. And he just how much has Slay paid
1: you for this podcast appearance, Bill?
2: That's not really defending him. It's more just saying <laughs> that I think he's one of the things he took it. He's it's like you know, quite a lot of the times in in sport you kind of have to make you have to risk looking stupid to look really smart. Because I just think to if we're gonna give, give
1: Watkins this much shit and we're gonna give um, and people in media have given jail for like losing the ball and they're uh, going to give shit for other plays. And I think Slay deserves it. I don't think he's had it from anywhere so far. I haven't heard it. No, no,
2: he deserves it. It's it, What I'm saying is that I the reason, like, there's opportunities in games where you have to make a judgment call and it'd be like there's a 10% chance that this play is happening. But if I get it right, I have absolutely smashed this play up. I've blown it up. The coverage is gone. This, this is the play of the game. This turns the tide. They're 4th they're, they're, kick, they're kicking it into the sending it in for a touchdown but whether he just got too caught up in that moment thinking that's what was happening and he just sort of like this is my moment you know like the when you're in front of goal and you and you completely blow over the crossbar because you just sort of like you think you've scored you think it's all already happened you know what's happening that never and happened
1: he, to me did it happen to you
2: yeah all the time <laughs> every time um anyway but yeah i think oh no, just to wrap it up yeah i think he just He's not had a great second half of the season. It's happened more than once, and it is concerning, especially since we're probably more likely to keep him than Bradbury, um, based on the contract and the and the money side of things. Um, but I love him. I think he's a great guy. I love I love his infectious personality, but that's not what makes him a football player. But I just I be sad. I'm sad that he's he had those moments. I wish that yeah. he, he's better than that.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, do you remember at the um, couple of days before the Super Bowl, <clears throat> he was. Uh... Scene just eyeing up the Lombardi, just looking directly at the Lombardi. I feel sorry for him as well. And you know, his wife thinks I've got a nice accent, so all, all power to the slaves. Uh, um, Hunt's return, Mick.
3: Yes,
0: um, God, that's a is difficult isn't it? This well, I just know how much you love
1: the special team, so I thought I'd throw you your way.
0: Yes, I know. Um Michael Clay, we spoke about it numerous times this season. We said at one point the special teams is going to cost us big, and we're waiting for it to happen. Waiting for it to happen, and then to their credit, they got a little, they got better. They brought in Christian Ellis, um, and things got a little bit better for us. Uh, but still i don't think the, the confidence was there i mean if you if you look at the, the, the offense going into the game offense defense special teams yeah you definitely have the special teams in the third tier or, of uh expectancy and 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 how you felt about each unit uh going in and what an absolute clusterfuck that was what well, like, we
1: said our weakness was you remember like multiple podcasts? what's our weakness is our special teams
0: yeah yeah i know and it just It was one of those ones I'm sure every single person watching and now listening uh, had their their head in their hands uh, after the play was was said and done. It was a time in the second half we really needed to come together and extend, uh, stop the Chiefs essentially. Let's not get it wrong as well. Like Chiefs played an extraordinary game, but we can't give things like that away. Fundamental things. Not only was the punt totally like apparently Pat McAfee does a very good uh, breakdown of the punt and the coverage. I haven't watched it yet. It was a Chiefs friend of mine who recommended it. Said it's a very, very good breakdown. So if you do have a chance, have a look at it. I've not had the heart to look at it yet, but I'll probably watch it tomorrow. Um, feeling now that this sort of is starting to wash over me now, just talking out with you guys. But it was a terrible punt to start off with. Sipboss just made an absolute arse of it. Um, and, and that was I was actually happy having boss back in the team with Brett Kern. Um, not put, you know, put himself in a lot of glory against the 49ers hitting the wire, that kind of thing and, uh, you know muffing, not muffing the punts but like slicing a couple of punts um, and for that to happen, that's unforgivable that's just, you can't let that happen in any game, never mind the fucking Super Bowl, the Super Bowl and you let the Chiefs run it from their own half all the way to the five yard line our own five-yard line. It's embarrassing. You Honestly, can't give Mahomes
1: the ball back on the five-yard line. Mahomes.
0: You can't do that back. and expect to win the game. It's an absolute joke.
4: Agreed.
2: The worst, the worst bit about it was the fact that I would have won two hundred fifty quid. I think
1: this is the worst bit about they, it.
2: <laughs> they just, they just run it in for a touchdown. Anyway, they run it for a fucking touchdown anyway. They just run all the way in. I would have got two hundred fifty. But did you have a special to teams to play, touchdown? Yeah, no, no. I like a any a punt return. Ah,
0: punt okay. covet the house. You were Maybe, thinking, uh, <laughs> no, yeah. you were thinking covet the house. not not Cadere's. Donated the house. No, yeah. Was it was, it was it, was it Tony?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, he was the one who got it down to the five yard line. Yeah. Day, oh, and was, again, again, blown coverage on the touchdown throw. Uh, Check, out just got out of the backfield, and there wasn't an Eagles defender within 15, 20 yards of him when he got the ball over there.
4: Yeah,
0: but, but it line. just it was so weird the way it happened. He's like, he kicked the punt, and it looked like it was like, like the special teams weren't expected to go to that side. And then Kadarius just like he started running one way, and then he just totally shifted, and the whole of the um, Chiefs offensive line or the, the the their main blockers anyway were just posted on the other side of the field, and they just ran straight as, and Pascal nothing, missed it. keep. Pascal could have taken do. him
1: down as well. Pascal mm. had hand on him on Tony and, and couldn't take him down and yeah. that was it. I think and that's, then, that's um,
0: where I lost my voice during the game actually screaming at that, that play.
1: <laughs> I lost mine before the game started I think.
0: <laughs> I definitely <laughs> did not have a voice the next day. It was ridiculous.
1: All right um, listen I want to get out of this now so last, last reason why we lost and, and that's the last drive. Uh, We, we talked about the penalty flag, which was on third and eight, which basically wrote our rights, signed the script, closed the book, hit the death knoll, whatever you want to call it. That was, that was game over. when was that field goal went over. And I think everyone knew it, even though I was still trying to chant the AGLES and Passion Avenue in Waterloo, (laughs) I was doing that to try and help everyone else around me more than any belief I had inside me. Um, what well, hasn't been talked about a, a lot I'm saying it hasn't been talked about a lot as if I've listened to every Eagle's podcast and I haven't <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm guessing it hasn't been talked about a lot because I've not heard a lot spoken about it Nick you need a new bottle of whiskey um, I'm, I'm guessing um, I'm saying this because I haven't heard anyone else talk about it to me um, in WhatsApp groups and chats or anything so I'm probably going to beg on my phone that so it hasn't talked about a lot but the Mahomes run before before the, the, the three downs where Bradbury uh, made that holding call, he ran for 30 yards on one leg. Uh, and we just, we just allowed it to happen. I mean, if you want to go back and really cry, that, yeah. was, the moment, that was the moment we lost again. It wasn't a Bradbury call. It, it was, it was the Mahomes run because then they were down inside the 10, 15 and regardless of what happened, regardless of how many time was left on the clock. Yeah. The penalty killed it, but the Mahomes rush really killed it. And, um, Gotta say kudos to Mahomes and his doctors, because I don't know what the fuck they injected with him. Because <laughs> uh, it looked like he was done. I I got the cheers around Patrick Avenue when we saw Mahomes on the sideline injured, and I know I know that's a bit, you know, controversial. But you know, Philadelphia Eagles, right? Win, win, win whatever way we can. And um, yeah, I just thoughts on that because when I went back and looked at the game today, I had forgotten about the Mahomes rush. And it's 25, 30 yards. And it takes it it takes it from being a, we can stop them here, go down and score, to they're going to score no matter what happens here, how much time we've got left on the clock. Oh, shit. Holding call. Game's over.
2: Um, three words, really. Tannehill, Fields, and Goff all did it to us this season. Mm. Um, so my blame is going to fall under Gannon for that one. I think when you see like you said when we all saw mahomes injured at halftime we're like even if he does come back he's not going to be 100% he's going to be really having to protect that ankle it's like you he, he knew he was going to come back in came back against the jaguars i thought this was bound to happen but i just hoped that he just not be he'd be sort of deficient down to 60% but because we, we all, like to said, because we knew that that he was going to come back and he's probably you know, let, let's not assume that he's not going to be Able to still run. Let's not assume that he's not going to still be peak Mahomes at times. So we're all sat there thinking that why isn't Gannon thinking that? Why is Gannon just throwing caution to the wind and allowing such a massive gaping hole for Mahomes to run through in that moment? It's a case of I know you don't have to worry about you caught the quarterback running. It allows you to play a better defense to protect the pass and and all that sort of stuff. And maybe that's what the play was designed for. And he saw the sort of read. that's what's going to happen and he played that kind of defense but it's criminally um it's criminal sorry to allow an opportunity for Mahomes to run we'll look at the time the the what was it was it in the playoffs when Hertz ran through for the touchdown it's basically like the partner of the Red Sea um and it's just like, how the hell was he just completely free and clear to run into the end? Mm. Like, how infuriating must have been for teams. He made players
1: miss as well, though. <laughs> he actually
4: no, did that, make players the, miss.
2: The one I'm on about, you know the one I'm yeah, on about. I, I know, he, yeah. You square up to the mascot of the other team. I can't even remember who it was. It was the Colts, wasn't it? The Colts. The Colts. I it, no? it
0: was the Colts' last day. yeah.
2: Yeah, and and it was just pired. It's like, how that... The fans of the Colts at the time must have been like, how the hell do you defend a player and leave... Mm six meter gap in the mm. middle of the field for him just to go straight through the middle and to to, to draw it back to the mahomes one it's just, i think yeah it's got to be on the defensive coordinator there to sort of to overestimate mahomes in that moment like he's underestimated there's, right. there's a yeah sorry they underestimate sorry it's patrick mahomes he's he's the mvp of the league he's the mvp of the super bowl and to let a guy like that and just to think that he's not going to... Like, if he was on crutches, he could have run for 10 metres.
4: <laughs> that, yeah. That's
2: how bad it was. It's like you're literally assuming he is literally stuck in his place. And what up to that point, he hadn't shown that he was particularly being affected by the angle. So what makes you think he's suddenly not going to run for 25 yards if you give him a running lane and say, hey, go ahead, get a first down if you can. It's like he's daring him to do it. And I think that's just the worst part about it.
1: I like the way you um elevated the um, imperial metrics by going from yards to meters there as well, Phil. Very impressive. <laughs> and, you know the, the Chiefs uh, went for um over six yards per rush attempt across the board. Didn't know that. I just did the maths <laughs> as you were talking. <laughs> um yeah, it's uh it's not it's not pretty reading. Uh, McKinnon four for 38 off uh sorry, four cars for thirty-four. 8.5 per carry. Patrick Mahomes, 6 for 44 yards, 7.3. Most of that was on the one run. Pacheco, 15 carries, 76 yards, 5.1. And then Sky Moore had a rush for four yards. Works out just over six yards per carry. Crazy stuff. And where was the um, on game and all of that? Non-existent apart from Jalen Hurts. Like, Jalen ridiculous. had 70 of our 100... 16 17 yards.
0: Bill Sanders did fuck all in that game.
1: He did. That's Mar Sanders not coming back to Philadelphia. Pay not. that man. <laughs> I know. I've been saying it all year as well. I know. Um, but you need to come up clutch. He didn't. Birds didn't. Can we can we can we can we end that now? Can we just move on to the next part of the podcast?
0: Is that we, we didn't fully discuss why we lost, and that was Jonathan Gannon.
3: Thanks,
4: it is.
0: It, Thanks, was, it was. Well, it just was. Uh, the, the offense did enough to win that game. You put 35 points up on another team, you expect to win that game. There's a reason that that was the highest points total ever in a Super Bowl for a losing team, and that was 35 points. Um. We've already spoken about Jalen Hurts, how much he carried the team, put, put us on his back because we could not establish the run. So Jalen had to either run himself or throw the ball, threw over for 300 yards, over 300 yards, rush for over 70. Like you said, Super Bowl first, first player to ever do that sort of thing. So offensively, no complaints. There can't be any complaints offensive because they went out. And they had done their job. Yes, we've talked about Quez Watkins having a drop, sure. That wasn't the reason we lost. And I said that at the time. It wasn't. The reason we lost is because Jonathan Gannon fucking shut the bed. The defense did absolutely nothing, And you can blame it on this, like, damn pitch, okay? You can, you can blame it on all these external factors. Look, there was 11 versus 11 on that field at the end of the day. Each play, each down, And the defensive line did not get any pressure on Patrick Mahomes that whole time. We've talked about all season how well that defensive front has performed and it didn't perform on the day. Jonathan Gannon is responsible for that defensive line. He's responsible for the defensive secondary. He's... He's responsible for the defense, and he just did not show up. And I feel like an absolute fool myself. We were talking on the last podcast, and we are saying, oh, Jonathan Gannon's a Philly guy, he's rolling down his windows and saying, we're going to fucking got these guys. We put the 49ers to bed, we put the Giants to bed, we're going to crush the Kansas City Chiefs. No, it happened again. It just happened again. It's his MO. We face an elite-tier quarterback. And we shit the bed. And it's happened again. Yes, we played Brock Purdy for one drive. And then we played whoever the fuck the, the backup is for the 49ers. Can't even remember now. We played Daniel Jones out uh, very well. Like, good. Cool. He's not an elite quarterback. We didn't play many this season. And that's our schedule, right? We, we can't. Don't have and the any.
1: Packers, the Packers, even though we won, put a lot of points on us. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we don't
0: have we don't have a lot of say. I we have actually zero say over our schedule and how it's going to pan out, you know. But we didn't play a lot of elite quarterbacks. We did play quite a lot last year, and we were told he doesn't have the personality to face these elite quarterbacks. So what is what is uh, what is how he do? He puts players around him. He brings in Hassel and Riddick. He has an absolutely phenomenal season. He brings in James Bradbury. He has an absolutely phenomenal season. Again. But when the occasion calls in the big stage against the big boy quarterbacks, shot himself. And that I can't handle.
3: Choo-choo!
1: Conductor the train. That's
2: all I've got to say about it.
1: Calling. Um,
2: what you feelings. want me to come in and defend <laughs> <laughs>
3: um,
2: um, Trying to remember exactly what I said on the on the Shall We Football podcast when I asked the same question. We spoke about Gallen. It's he's his defensive style is good enough to not cause any major issues and to give your offense a chance of winning games. And his stats defensively when you're going to giving up less than 17 points a game and in some games keeping offenses such as the vikings to under 10 points you have to give that its recognition you do you have to kind of look and go his game plan was very successful in that respect and throughout a season to get you to a super bowl that's what you could do with that that's a good valuable asset but like Mick says, when it comes to the big games, the big moments against the big quarterbacks, the really big coaching, the really good teams, in the moment where you don't have that, you need to really turn it up. It just it was it just was found wanting. And um, I'm for you know. I'm I'm glad he's gone. I know there's people out there saying, be careful what you wish for because um, uh, he you know the person that comes in behind it might not be any better. It might be worse. It might, you know, someone who throws caution to the wind a bit more is a bit more laissez-faire about how he does it, but might have some absolutely stonking defensive performances, but then other games get absolutely blown out and we can see 40 points to the Bears. Um, it's one of the things you can't pick and choose at the moments that you have that. You either want that can kind of mid-level, you know, your defense is never going to really give up much more than this um, and never be more than, a big never get smashed by big plays that worked for the season but then when you come up against a big coach like Andy Reid and a top quarterback like Patrick Holmes they probably looked at that and went this is this is our day boys it's mm. easy to overcome because <laughs> yeah you know he's I think against his, less-
1: like total flexibility in the way he plays on defense is both his ace in the hole but also his biggest weakness yeah,
2: yeah, that's that's essentially what I'm saying is that in some situations it's a very good asset, but in a situation like the Super Bowl, when you really need to be a bit more creative, a bit more flexible, a bit more adaptable, and and react, and that's not what he's been this season. His season has been this is how I'm going to do it, and, my, and teams just haven't really been able to figure out. Now, if he hadn't been fired that would be my biggest concern, not the fact that he blew the Super Bowl, but the fact that people will have figured him out now. And it won't have the same effect. It won't work. So, almost like he either needed to adapt or leave. And thankfully, he's now Kyler Murray's problem.
1: <laughs> okay. I'm also thankful that Jonathan Gannon is leaving. And regardless of what comes next, at least we don't have that hanging over our heads. I mentioned earlier, the special teams were the biggest weakness. Our biggest concern was Jonathan Gannon going into the entire playoff schedule. The performances against Daniel Jones and the Giants, who shouldn't have been in the playoffs, and the 49ers, who were using their, what, fourth, fifth string quarterback for most of the game, maybe glossed over that fact a little bit. Not maybe, did gloss over that fact, Mick, as you mentioned. Agree with all your points, Phil. I think he's serviceable in certain situations, and agreeing with Mick as well, when you come up against the big quarterbacks, it just hasn't got it. Be interesting to see how the cards do this year coming. I mean, his press conference wasn't exactly inspiring. I don't know if you, either of you caught it. No one chance. Only pe- it's one of the only pieces of media I did catch this week, because uh, it was splashed all over Twitter. What's this you got in there? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: I've
1: just seen it. Um, yeah, so if, listen, um, not Moving on from this game, we are going to talk about the free agents and who we want to see stay. And we're going to talk about our season MVPs. You might not even do free agents. Let's maybe, let's maybe just do season season awards and we'll, we'll keep free agency for the next podcast. Um, but before we do, Shane Steichen, for me, a much bigger loss to the Eagles than Jonathan Gannon, Phil.
2: No, not a big loss for me at all.
1: Really? Okay.
2: Yeah, I, I never really felt convinced by it. Like I feel like in a similar way to Gannon had a way that didn't quite work, but with the personnel and certain game plans and styles, it worked. But there, there, there are plenty of games where some dodgy calls were being made. And I think you can easily, equally find games where Steichen was found wanting. Yeah, it improved after Sirianni gave up. And maybe Sirianni is a worse play caller, but he's definitely a better head coach. Um and I think we got Brian Johnson coming in, haven't we, to uh, take over that role? And I think lots of people are, there's lots of buzz about him coming in. I think we were desperate more, keen, lots of people more keen to keep him. He would have been an offensive. People wanted
1: Brian Johnson before Shane Steichen.
2: Mm. So I like that. I think, so I think that you know I just wasn't convinced with like Steichen's Like it's vanilla to me. It feels like when you've got. Jalen Hurst, AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas it, and that offensive line. You've got Jeff Stoutland doing half your work for you. Um running backs weren't great. Like generally over the course of the season, um, and especially the Super Bowl. I think I am I'm, I'm not I'm not I just don't know, I don't really feel anything about Stoick and leaving. I'm more excited about Johnson coming in and 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 so whoever's gonna come in behind behind Gannon to sort of back, you know, people have been saying, criticizing the coaching all season. Well, we're getting two new coordinators in. Let's see how it goes. If it doesn't work again, then maybe get, we'll look back again and say and go, actually, we didn't know how good we had it. But an interesting it measuring like-
1: stick as we look into next year, isn't it? The player personnel we had versus the coaches. Did the coaches elevate the players? Were the co- were the players so good that the coaches didn't elevate them enough, or? or- just doing what they could with them. I think it's a yeah. good measuring stick to look into next to next season for sure. As long as we stay as healthy as we did this year, which, by the way, we won't. You know, you're never going to get a chance to be as healthy as we All right, we'll touch wood on that.
0: Time. Come on, come on, come on, behave yourself. <laughs> but no, I, th- I think, Liam, I think we have to congratulate Phil on that take. That was a take. Um, we don't, and you, you usually call Phil the fence and, hey, I have not heard a lot of people, think any, say that they won't miss Staking. And you know, that's 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 a that's a good shoot. It's a bold shoot. Mm-hmm. Whilst you were given your reasons for it, I'm 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 beginning to believe you. I'm I'm behind you. Um I did watch unlike Gannon's press conference, I did watch uh Steichen's press conference with the Colts when he rhymed off uh, all the players in Philadelphia that he wanted to thank and that, that was a nice touch uh, I liked that and I, and I felt it was genuine as well and I do wish him all the best of luck um, in, in Indianapolis hopefully he has a good time there but Phil makes a very good point, he was given keys to the candy shop wasn't he when he was brought into Philadelphia with all these players that he had at his disposal and, and that's why he ranged them all off uh, when he joined the Colts, knowing that he had it pretty, pretty easy. When you look at, you know, your AG Brown, your Devontae e Smith, your offensive line, everyone that Phil said. Miles Sanders, well. Wow. Um, yeah. And Miles Sanders, of course. Uh, I'm still, I'm not happy with him at the moment. So no, I know, but I'll he had dec- a good season. I'll decline that. No, of course he did. He had <laughs> over a, a thousand um, scrimmage yards and uh, double-digit touchdown pressure. So
1: he had over a thousand rushing yards. Not just yeah.
0: scrimmage. Uh, well, I mean, he's, he's not big in the season game, is nah. he? yeah, so, Fair enough. But,
1: no. twelve hundred, maybe tall.
0: Yeah. Uh, if you look at the two coordinators side by side, yeah, it'll definitely be striking a bit more. It'll be interesting to see who we bring in in the off-season, whether it's Brian Johnson or another candidate. It's looking very, very sure that it is going to be Brian Johnson. Uh, whether or not he takes up play calling, I think Sariani's already came out and said um, that he would like his, his new offensive coordinator to take on the play calling responsibilities once again so that he can focus more on the game time decisions and game planning side of things where uh, he seems to like running that mixture. So um, knowing that Brian Johnson like he has... He hurt as well. Yeah, a key as
3: well.
0: yeah oh, that's
1: true. He's yeah. been a huge part of his development, right?
0: Brian he Johnson. Like to think. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He has. He's he's, he's developed these guys. Um, he's, he's developed a lot of quarterbacks, um, not just Jalen Hurts. he's he's known Jalen Hurts since he was like three or four years old or something like that. He's I didn't like know very, that. yeah. He's very close to the to the Hurts family. Um, That's nice. So, <laughs> it's a no-brainer.
3: It's a no-brainer. All right. Super
1: Bowl's done. Do we want to do free agency and do we want to do? No, I'm getting a no from Phil. We'll keep free agency for the next one. All right, let's go to the season awards. You guys, I'll run through this and I'll uh, I'll, I'll go through and pass over to you guys. So those listening in, if you agree, let us know. If you disagree, let us know. And Let us know who you would choose as your alternative for the Eagles 2022 season awards. Before the last episode of this season, before we go into the 2023 2024 season. First award, I feel like, is a pretty easy answer all round uh, Eagles MVP.
3: Bill. Jalen Hurts. Mick. Juby won.
1: Jalen Hurts. Let's move on. We've talked enough about him. <laughs> <laughs> Offensive MVP can't be Jalen Hurts. Bit more difficult.
3: Bill, I'll stay with you.
2: Um, offensive MVP. Um, oh, that's tough, really, isn't it? Um,
0: do you want me to go first, and you can never think about it.
2: If you've got one, if you know who you're going for, go for it. I'm yes, pretty much I do. There, but yeah. Go on.
0: Then. Uh, Lane Johnson. Okay. Best right tackle in the league. He played through massive pain to get us to that Super Bowl. He performed admirably. In fact, he performed even better than that. He fantastically. And he was pretty much... Did you see the picture they put up on social media saying, away from away my from surgery by, you know, like a couple of days after the Super Bowl? That's how bad that was, yeah. that, that he doesn't take any time he, to rest and take in what just happened. He, he's away for his surgery <laughs> to get better for next year, so has to be the lane for me.
2: Well based on that I can't really disagree with that I'll 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 agree with you Lane Johnson I was potentially arguing going to argue Devontae Smith because of some of those key crucial catches in the playoff run um, and generally the fact that he's how he's performed in spite of being in the shadow or the perceived shadow of of a player established player like AJ Brown who himself has already um, performed admirably this season and both getting over a thousand yards so I was I was gonna go with Devontae Smith, but after you've mentioned Lane Johnson, I think I'm probably gonna to have to concede on that one for sure. What about you, Liam?
1: I'm gonna go AJ Brown. Um, he he's had 1500 yards in the regular season, and the and the and the um, playoffs on the run up to the Super Bowl. I think he's completely revolutionized the Eagles' offense. Um, and I'm going AJ Brown because you you, you two have gone Lane, and I could definitely easily have gone Lane and. I think that's probably the right pick. Um, so if I'm looking outside of Hertz and I'm looking outside of Lane Johnson, then AJ Brown is is my guy. Fifteen hundred yards, eleven touchdowns. I'll take AJ Brown. Defensive MVP, Mick.
0: Um, I feel like there's an easy answer to this. Uh, I'm swithering whether or not to take it i think it will uh <laughs> Hassan reddick has the be uh countless sacks what a performer i know he didn't get home in the super bowl when he was slipping all over the place even baldy took a shot at him during his Baldy's <laughs> breakdowns on twitter post game saying that the uh chiefs right tackle had him on toast did he fuck? he just slipped because of the slick his office. but Hassan reddick absolutely played out skin depends on oh. mbp no question
1: yeah I
2: like it. Hard to argue. Phil. Yeah. I I was gonna go Reddick. I think it's hard you just can't every time you you think, oh, has anybody's performed as well in different areas? I mean, I think as I think I know other player that I was potentially gonna go for is probably gonna get one of your other awards. If you are gonna do that award, I think you're gonna do. Um it's gotta be Reddick, just for the fact that the like I said earlier, with the the one of the five pillars of victory for the Eagles was Hassan Redick. Um, getting home and and, and it, that's been throughout the season is like how many ridiculous amount of high, like over five sack games that we've had this season is, and how many sacks he himself and the fact that we nearly broke the all-time record. I think you can't, you can't argue that anyone's had a bigger impact or have been more valuable for the team. If he was missing for the Super Bowl, we would have been absolutely shit in a brick.
1: Yeah, regardless of what um... got home. It's 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 hard to argue with, but just because you two keep going for the same one, I'm gonna try. Uh I'm gonna go at um someone who probably is not gonna be at the Eagles next year. And I might have gone for someone else, but I want to give him a different award. So I'm gonna go with Gravedigger. I'm gonna go with Javon Hargrave. I think he's had a sensational oh, like season that. at defensive tackle. And the amount of sacks he had, what 12, 13 sacks? Is ridiculous amount of sacks for a defensive tackle at uh, his position, especially when you think of the amount of weapons the Eagles have on the defensive line. Albeit, we didn't see much of that during the Super Bowl, unfortunately. So, um, I'll give I'll give Grave Digger uh, a, a tip of my cap and say you're my defensive player of the year, J-Bomb. Nice
3: offensive rookie
1: player of the year, Philip.
2: God, I'm trying to think of the offensive rookies we signed. <laughs> There's not many. It's not that many. If um, someone else is going, they can go ahead of me. But I'm just Got going to me. rack my of- I not I don't know why I wasn't prepared for this. That's, that's on me. I'm sorry, guys. But I, oh,
0: really? I will go for the only one that I can uh, even think of, and that's Grant Calcaterra. And even though that, I didn't believe it in my heart. Only because he's there, and that's it. There's no other reason. We, we, we didn't really draft. We, we drafted Cam Juergens, who came on for some plays, he, like some jumbo packages he was there for, but I can't say he was defen- uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year. Calcaterra probably had a bit more contribution. He caught some passes. I think there, there was one that was a bit memorable. It was... Um, down the, the left flank, and it was, I'm sure it was like 20 yards or something like that. It was like he's only catching the game, but very slim pickings. We, we've had a team of experienced players this year. Like we looked at the 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 two lineups between the Eagles and the Chiefs before the Super Bowl, and a lot of the a lot of the Chiefs players on off um, uh, were rookies, as a matter of fact, and a lot of ours just haven't been, and it just is worse.
1: It's a very easy part of this quiz. You are right. They are the only two offensive players we signed in the NFL Draft 2022, and Cam Jurgen's barely played a game, so let's just give it to Grant Calcutta all across the board. Everyone say aye. Aye.
0: Aye.
1: (laughs) Um, The offensive uh, rookie, uh, sorry, defensive rookie of the year is also relatively straightforward, (laughs) so we might all just want to say Jordan Davis. Everyone say aye.
0: No. Aye.
1: Oh. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> you going to Kobe Dean.
0: No, I am going to and Blankenship.
1: Jesus, yeah, okay. So he's. Oh, he be, was yeah. a UDFA, wow. uh, yeah. which
0: still gets towards the rookies. Which is uh, why it
1: wasn't on my list that I just looked up.
0: Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think Reed had a decent season. He came in when he was needed. Um, when CJ went down, he was needed at safety and he performed well. I think he had a pick-six, no, not a pick-six, but he had a pick-off of Aaron Rodgers. Hey, Slay. Slay is jealous of this man for that. Uh, Wasn't
1: it his first play as well?
0: I don't like think he, it was in his, Eagles jersey? No, I don't think it was his first play. Uh, it might have been, it might have been. But I think, th- think he done well enough. Um, Jordan Davis, I know he got injured mid-season, but he didn't play an awful lot of snaps, I think. Reed Blankenship actually out-snapped. Jordan Davis, and at the end of the day, um, when it, all, everything is said and done, and um, for him to be just like you know an unsigned free agent, and Jordan Davis to be the, the or pick in the first round, I think that's that's massive. That, it, that plays a part of in my decision of choosing Reed is that no one expected anything of him, and we got a good return out of him playing starting safety when we needed them. And maybe some plays on special teams as well. I like. Yeah, the-
1: he, he's going to be my pick for another category, but I'm going to stick with Jordan Davis. I think the fall off and the drop off we had before we signed in Dominic Sue and Will Joseph was huge for the impact plays he made. And I think he's going to. He did a, an absolutely stellar job for the snaps that he was in for, and he can only play the snaps he's called for, Mick. Just because he didn't play that high amount of snaps and had his injury, none of those were his fault. And I think he had an outstanding rookie performance um when he was actually called upon
2: phil yeah no that's exactly what i was going to say is that I oh think, sorry <laughs> no 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 it's, it's, it shows that it was a good point because i think whilst Mick make, makes a great point for reed you you know you've you summed it up pretty nicely there that i think before he got injured he was a key player and we did lose we did notice the difference our run game was like was pish before um we've signed the free agents <laughs> um and it just so happened that they played miles better than anyone thought they would. Coming in as 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 older older heads into a new new team altogether, never played together before. Um, just meant that there wasn't as much need for him, and I think that's not his fault. So I was going to go with Jordan Davis, but you make a great point for Reed. Nick.
1: Nice, probably the most interesting pick so far. After I started off by saying it was going to be a really easy pick, <laughs> excellent work, Liam. Good podcast hosting. <laughs> <clears throat> let's go for Defensive Rookie Player of the Year Michael McGivern
0: You mean best oh, coach?
1: Sorry, I mean best best coach uh, We're nearly How long are we into the podcast? That's alright there's, there's been plenty of whiskey drink
0: between <laughs> here and Sunday uh, Best next coach area, area. Area. Next area. Unless do you mean anyone under the head coach
1: I mean, I mean anyone under the head coach I mean, I mean, any any Eagle,
0: Eagles so coach, yeah, you mean?
1: I mean, any. I should have said any Eagles coach. Yes, correct.
0: Right, so that's not the head coach? Correct. All right, okay. Um, Scotland.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: oh. I was going to go Scotland as well. I think, like I said, he did half the job for Stuyken, I think, without such a strong offensive line yet again. Um, not even retooled that much um that same relatively same players from the previous season is still absolutely amazing and still adapting like meaning the the rpo meaning hurts can run all sorts of plays um was one of the one of the fundamentals for the eagles offense being so successful this season so i don't think i think it's hard to look past him i think um, i think jamal could be a close second because the running back game was great at times yeah. Um and yes. An so, so let and... me
1: let me take that on them because that, that's my pick. My my pick is Jamal <laughs> Singleton. Um, you know, the and <clears throat> you know, not just for how good the running backs were, but the improvement in ball security this season from the running backs is absolutely ridiculous. I haven't got the stats in front of me, but the improvement in ball security is ri- ridiculous this year for the running backs. I know that sounds a bit weird coming off Jalen Hurts fumbling the ball in the Super Bowl, but as we as Mickey mentioned earlier, that could have been through a slippery, slippery field or, or sorry, Phil, that was you could have been through a slippery, you know, pitch or whatever. I think Jamal Singleton would be would be my choice. And a close third. And uh, Michael Clay, just what a season he's had as special. Sorry, I'm joking. Yeah, it's a <laughs> <of you. laughs> uh, so Jamal Singleton for me, not just because of that, but also because he was such a welcoming, lovely human when I went to Philadelphia um, as well in November. And I've got to give it to my my guy, Jamal.
0: I think we have quite a wealth of background coaches who are who are, who are actually really good. Like yeah. you mentioned a couple just now, but like just to go through some more, like Tracy Rocker, the, the um, defensive line coach. I yeah. mean, what what a job he he's done this season. Um, Alan Moorhead, the wide receivers coach.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: What a job he, that he's also done this season, and of course Brian Johnson, the quarterback coach. Um, honestly. We're backfilled yeah. with such wealth of coach, coaching staff. It's, it's fantastic. And they've all played their part to get us to the Super Bowl. Too bad <laughs> Johnson Gannon's. Up.
1: A tip to, a tip to <laughs> Harry Rosman all around, right?
0: <laughs> yes, yes,
3: yes.
1: Enough at a cap. Um, OK, surprise player of the year. Uh, this is Widengo Reed Blankenship. Reed is my surprise oh, player of the year this year. OK. Phil?
2: I'm going with Brandon Graham.
1: Nice. We oh, should have had it. Pick. We should have had it. We should have had comeback player of the year as one of the categories. That's quite, that's
2: I, nice. I, he would have been my right. comeback player of the year. Obviously, I think yeah. he would have been one of ours. But I surprised. Oh, Surprised at how well he came back from the, from the yeah. uh, the ACL. Was it ACL? Yes. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, best, 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 uh, best pick of the award so far, Phil. Congratulations.
2: And what was it? Eleven. <laughs> Sacks.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it was uh, definitely 10, if not 11. During the reg- regular season, it was that anyway. Yeah, yeah. To, I don't to think come it did anything.
2: Like any awesome. And and have those many no, sacks. I think that. it's a surprise player here for me. What about you, mate? <laughs>
0: um, Robert Quinn, no I was surprised how shite he was.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, leaving it at that. We, you're, not, you're not getting another go. That's perfect. Um I read that as most good looking, but that's not, most looking forward to seeing next year for the Eagles. <laughs> hey, do you know what? Fuck it. Let's go. Most good looking player for the Eagles.
2: Bill. Uh, well, thanks for throwing that curveball in the uh, last second, throwing me under the bus at the same time. Most good looking player. I don't... Oh, Devontae Smith. Oh, he oh he's going to go. For yeah, he's, a, sexy, man. A he's sexy man. sexy yeah. man.
1: Mick, most good looking player in the team.
4: Uh,
0: QB one. He's got that swag. He does. He does. He's a sexy. Mm. Phil talks about his thighs non-stop. I mean, not even on the podcast; they just messages me during the night, in the morning. And he's like, <laughs> like, dreaming about John Horse's thighs again.
1: Like the
2: contours. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's
2: funny. Some highly defined thighs. Then I'm going to go for
1: uh, Jake Elliot because you know I've been told I look so like him. So. Uh, <sighs> Jake Elliott from my
2: Van Apex,
0: Right, Back
1: to the uh, series. Do we have to? All right. Yeah. Um, most looking forward to playing for the Eagles next year. And I'm going to put a caveat on this with assuming they play for the Eagles next year. So you can include free agents that you think are likely to be picked up by the Eagles next year in this answer. Mick.
0: Yeah, because for that, for, for, like for it that wants reason. me to get to
1: make first.
0: The only reason I was going to pick um javon Hargrave was because it's like I'm most looking forward to him next year because I hope he's in a Eagles jersey next year because mm. I think we really need him and he has to be priority signing for us. Um already know what he can do on the field. There's no question of that. So uh I'll just leave it at that.
2: I'm going to pick Nakobe Dean. Oh, um, yeah. It feels like a bit of an easy, obvious pick, really, because we haven't seen much of him and he came in from the draft with such high excitement because people were surprised at how um, far he fell. I am ho- I feel like there's obviously a reason why he was kept out of the team because the players in front of him were so much more established um, than him and there was no need to risk him given there's some injury concerns. So maybe this year was just to take off. And I'm thinking there'll be a few... People leaving, um, and he'll be jumping up the pecking order, and he'll get his shot to be a starter in in camp. And I'm most looking forward to seeing if he can, a secure a starting place, and b be the player that everyone was excited that he was in college, and that he can hopefully be for us next season.
1: You've got me excited about that just by talking about it. I'm really excited about seeing the Dean next year now, Um, and I think a lot of people are listening in. Um, That's a very very good shot. You're good at this game, Phil. Um,
0: It's a great question.
1: Uh, no I, I mean I think I've lost enough this season in terms of my forfeit so no more games
2: <laughs> are you now now that the Super Bowl is over are you going to be changing your Twitter profile to Dallas Cowboys star or not
1: have I have I actually announced again have I announced it on recent podcasts of what's happened or have I not said it yet
2: on whose podcast
1: on this podcast yeah, yeah
2: I, we, we established that the, the loser would have to. What time? No, but, have I, but, but
1: have I mentioned it since we, we talked about that at the very start of the season?
2: No, like, no, so. no,
1: no, no. I'll remind people at the end of the podcast. Um, all right. Um, it's time to take command for the rest of this episode. And I'm going to go with CJ Gardner Johnson as the player I'm most looking forward to seeing in an Eagles jersey next year. I think that he is made for Philly, he is built for Philly. And I really hope that Howard Roseman does everything in his power to bring this guy back. For me, he is the most important free agent off-season signing for the Eagles. He is number one on my list to bring back to Philadelphia next year. I want to see C.J. Gardner-Johnson back in Eagles colours, and I want to see him back in Eagles colours for the next five years. Nice. Next question is... 2023 breakout player. Yeah. This is an interesting one. Go go on, Mick.
0: Um, Cam Jorgens. Nice. Um, Does that mean
1: you don't think Jason Kelsey is coming back?
0: uh, Well, I I was thinking about this while were talking, and I thought it's either going to be because Jason isn't coming back, which is on a sad note, obviously. But it could also be because Isaac Somalu as a free agent will not be re-signing and we put Cam Juergens beside Jason Kelsey for a year at right guard, which I would not be sad about. Um, now, can you imagine me... the run game with Jason Kelsey and, and Cam Jurgens by his side? Jesus Christ.
1: Now remind me of Cam Juergens at college, Mick. I know Landon Nebraska,
0: Dickinson... Cornhuskers. I...
1: I know. I know that I know that Landon Dickerson played left guard and center when he was at college. Yes, I know, uh, but I can't remember where Jurgens played. Did he play guard and center, or did he just primarily play center?
0: He primarily played center. He did play. He played tight end before. Um, I think he's coach,
1: big enough to play right guard.
0: Before his, <laughs> before his coaches told him, at a tight end you a center <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with athleticism." Um, I think he could play right guard. Yeah.
1: You do? Okay. Interesting. Because he's a lot smaller than Sam Allen. Danties. A lot smaller. Not saying he can't play it, but interesting. Interesting take. Phil? Breakout player yeah, in 2023.
3: <laughs> no. You said he wasn't no. in the 53 earlier.
2: I'm taking the pair. Who knows? I'm trying to think of players that I'm thinking didn't get a fair rub of the green um, this year. Um,
0: Oh, you I could see, see a player that's just on someone else's roster that we think
2: Same. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Um, whichever rookie we sign in the first in a uh, pick number ten. Is that an answer? Can I go with that one? Yeah.
1: What was the running back that we picked up who hasn't given it a snap?
2: Oh, Sermon. Tree Sermon,
1: We go.
2: Not. Not. And you mean in the draft or? No, I mean, three? I
1: mean, like he could be a breakout player in 2023. I'm joking,
2: basically. Hmm. <laughs> uh, I think yeah, whichever, whichever pick number ten is a bit of a cop out, but
0: whoever's pick number ten, think, uh... yeah.
2: All
0: right, Liam. Head of Gamewell, Kenny G.
1: I think after Memphis Blar on him all regular season. I need to tell. I need to say sorry. And I, I never believe in Kenny G. I think the Eagles are going to get rid of Miles Sanders. I think they're going to have Kenny G as their number one running back next year. And for that reason, I think he's going to have an absolute breakout year in
4: 2023.
3: Lovely. I'm going to leave the last two, I think. Okay. And I think we'll end
1: it there folks. I think we'll end it there. Listen, what a season we talked about at the start of the podcast, how much we enjoy doing this. It's a hobby for us. We do it for fun. We put a lot of time, blood, sweat, and tears into doing this week in, week out, whether it's researching, whether it's podcasting, whether it's WhatsApping, whether it's planning, whether it's networking, whether it's articles, whether it's giveaways, whether it's fantasy leagues, whether it's watch-alongs, whether it's trips to Philadelphia. But we love doing every single second of it. And again, thank you so much for being on a ride with us this year. We're really looking forward to 2023 when we're obviously going to have our trip to Philadelphia in November. So if you haven't already heard about it, where the hell have you been? Uh, Look us up on Twitter at, at British Eagles and you'll find all details on there. I've had to sign up for the trip. We're going to be back in a couple of weeks with the first episode of the new season where we will be talking all things draft, all things free agency, all things coaches signings. I'm sure there'll be some drama which has unfolded between now and then. But for now... Phil, thank you. Mick, thank you. Let's go and hide under a rock for a couple of weeks and listen.